Here you go. Hear it? Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm I'm great. How are you? I'm very good as well. Better now, but I already told you how I yeah, freaked out. Yeah. Lost my keys at the park and we're all good. I found them. But anyways, let's just let's get jump into it. In. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So first, let's just talk about how we know each other. When did we do you even remember when we met? No. I think the first time we ever got to really know each other was freshman year. Yeah. PE. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. had PE and we had leadership, leadership together. And PE was a fun time because uh, the guy that I liked was in yeah. the same class. Yeah. And you were like the middleman. Yeah. You were friends with I him. Was. I guess I was. <laughs> and so it'd be like, I would say, I would say something to you and be like, oh, like I thought he looked cute or something like that. And you would like pass on the message or whatever. Yeah, those were fun times. They were. It's funny days. to think about that now, yeah. but yeah, and leadership was also a wild ride because we really didn't do a lot in that class, but no, we did not. We had a good time. Well, I especially did. You did. I did not. I kind of <laughs> just hung out with, you know, the, the, the sports, the athletics mm -hmm. and we did nothing. Yeah. But it was a good time. Definitely. It's a free period. Yeah. No, exactly. You could just do homework, but yeah. All right. Let's, I like to normally kind of start at the beginning of your life because yeah. I feel like sometimes that gives kind of better context to your experiences. So yeah. how would you describe kind of like your childhood? Amazing. Mm -hmm. In every sense of the word, my parents are amazing. My brother's amazing. I had no super big challenges to overcome, mm -hmm. um, except my brother being the genius that he is. <laughs> your brother is super fucking smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's, you know, everything I look up to. Mm -hmm. Right. How many years older is he than you? He's two and a half. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I was raised very well, or from what I know. Um, uh, you know, we moved to Los Gatos. I was about three. Mm -hmm. So then I was just, you know, brought up here. Uh, most of my friends uh, who I was close with back then kind of moved away or we uh, distanced. But it started around my the time my friend's mother passed. Mm. Uh I'm sure you heard. Yeah. Yeah. But that was hard. That was hard. That was super hard. And then going through middle school, um, just hearing, you know, about another friend that got into an accident who passed. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the whole start of me uh, isolating myself from other people or only people that I really knew well I would talk to or hang out with. And, uh, I'm still the same person as I was when I started isolating. And I, I guess, you know, I'm still the extrovert that I have been, you know, knowing you freshman year. Uh -huh. I'm still loud. I'm still arrogant. Love it. You're not, I wouldn't say you're arrogant. I would say you're... Proud. Yeah, you're like outspoken. You're just confident. I wouldn't say you're arrogant. Yeah. Like, I don't, I never got that vibe from you that like you're an asshole and like you think you're better than other people. It's just like, you know that like you're adequate and deserving of people's like goodwill you know what i mean I yeah don't know if that makes sense but. no that that makes me feel better i'm glad um, <laughs> it's true though for real thank you yeah yeah so i mean middle school was fine i can't remember much of it yeah i can just remember you know the certain moments where you kind of feel not too great like what do you have any specific ones yeah yeah i mean i got into music at a pretty young age mm -hmm. and uh going through middle school you know, it's a, up until about your senior year of high school, it's a popularity contest. Oh, yeah. And uh, generally, you know, me playing the ukulele or playing guitar or playing piano wasn't a huge, you know, 
deal at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, so I wasn't, you know, it's not how I made friends. I didn't make friends through music. Nor did people really want to be friends with me at the time. And it's probably because of who I was, not just the music, but I got I got a couple comments on the music. And that's fine because I know what I'm doing today with it, and mm-hmm. that, that makes me feel a lot better. What do you feel like it was that, like, made people not want to be, like, super close with you? Or, like, what do you feel yeah. like it was about your personality that was like that? I was raised by a father and a mother who believed in being extremely independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that high school and middle school, I still believe this, is a very collective scene. Uh, so everybody needs to be in touch with everybody. Yeah. I was not that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you aren't that person, when you are isolated like that, uh, you tend to get, you know, turned heads. And it becomes something, you know, different than what you wanted it to be. But you can't really change who you are at that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, needless to say, I always spoke my mind. Whether it was, you know, good or bad. <laughs> Most of the times it was bad. Uh, and I think that was the big main reason mm-hmm. why I didn't make too many friends in middle school. Like I said, I had a couple, but only the close ones I would really, you know, talk yeah. to, hang out with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like when I think about like classes and stuff with you, you were definitely like the like class clown kind yeah. of energy like you wanted to keep people entertained and yeah like i being the goody two shoes that i was sometimes i was like oh my god will he just shut up but like for the most part i was like thank god there's some kind of comedic relief or something to make me a little less stressed out but i can see how that would have been hard for you like and how people kind of would have been at arm's length because of that yeah i guess that's always been been me though and mm-hmm. uh i love that about myself yeah you should um, to the point where, I mean, I can make my family smile and mm-hmm. that kind of makes your day. I can be a real asshole too, though, sometimes <laughs> to, to my family when they've given me nothing but, you know, joy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. I've always tried to be the comedic relief, even when it doesn't land. Yeah. And then I try to keep <laughs> going and then people are like, just stop. And I'm like, Ooh. quit with your head. Yeah, I'm like, so, sorry. Do you, do you get angry? Like, are you an angry person sometimes or does it, is that not really, I don't know something experience uh, it really depends on the situation mm. if it's with my family no i won't get angry uh i could get a little tick sometimes mm-hmm. if, you know things aren't going the way i plan them to go or you know i hope right. them to go but yeah no i can get angry i can get i can get mad uh my brother knows it my dad knows it my mom knows it mm. uh but in in other situations like in the sense that if you're not being treated with the respect that i think you should be treated with I would get mad at the person or pissed yeah. at the person who's not giving you that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, high school, you know, there was a popular group and then there was the rest of the kids. I'm sure we all know that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of them were, were quite pompous. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem calling them out. Right. Hey, you do you. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> but But in the sense of, you know, I think they had a sense of entitlement just because of that group. And I'm not, would not blame them now. I don't know them now, mm-hmm. right? So I can't speak to their person. But back then, it seemed like they were trying to be assholes. Yeah. Right? Not just that was them, but they were, they needed to have it, right? Mm-hmm. They needed to have some leverage. And I guess, you know, that kind of, I didn't take a toll on me because I was always very, uh, you know, just like, fuck you. Yeah. But if it happened to my friend, and it did a couple times, 
I would get mad. Mm-hmm. And I called a lot of people out. And then I took a lot of shiver calling people out. Right. And I don't I don't know if you heard about it or any other times, but I'm sure incident? I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure you <laughs> have, but I can't mention any names and that's yeah. you know. Um But are there any like certain incidents that like stick out to you in terms of that stuff? Yeah. So a girl so I was hanging out with my friend mm-hmm. and he was a basketball player. And so he was not the best basketball player mm-hmm. uh, by any means. But this he liked this girl, right, who was in this more, you know, popular group. And so he'd go up and he'd talk to her and, you know, they'd have conversations. Like I, I always thought they were quite, you know, good friends or uh, quite sociable. But then I was, it was about a week after, you know, I had that thought like, oh, they're pretty, they're pretty mm-hmm. cool, that I heard her talking just tremendous amounts of shit about him and so i went up to her and i'm quite confrontational like i'm not the non-con not non-confrontational person yeah um yeah so i went up to her and i said hey look i don't know if you're just trying to be nice to him in the moment mm-hmm. but the things you say right now sound just make you sound like a total bitch i can't do anything about it but please like refrain or you know keep it to yourself yeah. And just don't talk to him. So then I mentioned it to my friend. And he was quite upset. And then he talked to her. And then she lied and said, no, she didn't say those things. And I was there at the time. And mm-hmm. it was this whole show. And I was like, okay, why would I lie to you? And then it was a he said, she said moment. Right. And, you know, those moments happened quite a bit to me. Yeah. Uh, but probably because the person I was. Right. <laughs> It's also just high school, you know, but definitely I would say, yeah, I'm sure you had more of those incidents, but because like, yeah, you weren't afraid of confrontation and like, at least to me too, that's, that's kind of who I am. Like, I'm not really, I don't think things get resolved well if there isn't confrontation sometimes. Like I hate like passive aggression, like that kind of stuff. I hate that shit. So I'm, I'm kind of the same way. And I'm like, if there's a problem, we need to deal with it. We're going to talk about it and not going to just like pretend it didn't happen. But I feel like it definitely does kind of like bring this wrath on you sometimes when other people don't deal with things the same way. And, and high school just in general is just like a breeding ground for all that shit to happen. Definitely. So needless to say those four years, uh, I hated Mm -hmm. not because, you know, the schooling in any sense, the, you know, the word, but because people try and be something they're not yeah and when a person is themselves i think that's the best thing they can be mm-hmm. uh, and when you're not you just come across as a just not a good person i guess yeah. and uh but yeah no uh senior year of high school though i loved mm-hmm. i thought it was great because then i really knew who my friends were yeah i knew who i could go to with problems you know with like uh with issues of depression stuff like that and i had one favorite teacher who, you know, was caught up in kind of a scandal at the time or rumors at the mm-hmm. time. And uh, I could go to him. We'd talk. He was known as a very weird teacher. Like a lot of people thought he was super weird. I thought he was super weird. <laughs> but he'd mentioned these, like these artists, right? These, these musicians that, mm-hmm. you know, could help get me through these times that I was bringing up to him. And I was like, yeah, no, I already know about him. Like trying to be the guy I thought I was at the time. Yeah. Because I knew I was good when it came to music. I remember that distinctly, like, yeah. from leadership. Like, you knew all these, like, yeah. old classic songs. And I was yeah. like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I was, you know, knowledgeable when, when it came to music. Mm-hmm. But he, 
kind of saw through that. I mean, he knew, he knew, like, because I'd always bring up music in class. That's the only thing I talk about or write about because I, I love it. I'm in love with it. Mm-hmm. But he brought up these artists that, you know, I had rarely listened to or maybe they're hits, right? And so I'd go back home and like a year later, so I was in college, right? Yeah. For a semester. And I, I'm like, wait, he never heard of these artists, but he, he loved them for some reason. And I wasn't feeling great, right? Um, so I turn them on. The artists are Jeff Buckley and Radiohead. Hopefully I can mention Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. you can okay. say their okay. names. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what point I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I turn them on. And Jeff Buckley, you know, uh, covered Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And that's the famous version we know right. now. And so you listen to it. And I, at first I just listened to the lyrics, right? And the lyrics had already been written by Leonard Cohen a while, a while before. But then the way uh, Mr. Buckley phrases, like, the guitar... Mm-hmm. And how the words don't seem to be words anymore. They're now poetic. And then everything else off that Grace album is just heartbreaking. And I, I, I wrote him an email, Mr. Oh, the teacher. And I, uh, I said, look, I'm not, I'm not in a great place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you recommended these two artists to me last year. And uh, I got the chance to listen to them. And I never knew how sad a person could be without crying because mm. you listen to these these guys sing and it is heartbreaking mm-hmm. even the way they phrase their words like i can try and write something super sad to try and make someone cry but they're not necessarily doing that they're writing phrases that wouldn't even be sad but in the context of the music and in the context of how they're singing them they're heartbreaking yeah so i yeah so i, I emailed him and i said and he said this made my year Thank you for being, you know, thank you for recognizing it. Yeah. And uh, I got to get on a phone call with him. And uh, we just talked a little more about music. But it's uh, it's some teachers you don't think would really make an impact on you that, that really did for me in high mm-hmm. school. And then the teachers everyone else talked about, I was like, oh, they're, they're pretty yeah. average. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, but that was my high school, just being super conversational and listening to music. So... Obviously, too, like, the music, I want to get into, like, your band and stuff after, but, like, with the, you know, talking about the music and, like, it really resonating with you, especially since you're going through tough times, like, what did those tough times kind of look like for you and what, you know, brought that on and how early were you struggling with depression and what it looked like? Yeah, so, like I said, I was given the perfect life. Mm -hmm. I was given everything. Um including love, including the most love anyone could ever give. So I can't thank my parents and my brother enough for that and my friends. But most of my, you know, favorite artists, uh, I, I love the grunge era, so the 90s mm-hmm. and uh, the early 2000s, a lot of them wa- wound up, you know, killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's they're beautiful artists. They're amazing. Uh, from like Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park to uh, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden. And it's what sta- it, that's what started it, kind of. You know, you get a, you get addicted to this music, and you get addicted to sadness. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of where I, I fell victim to it. Uh, so those tough times were not anything, you know, that was brought on by you know an outside source. It's brought on by me, and I see that, and I totally recognize that. But it brings you deeper and deeper and deeper into the music that I write now, mm-hmm. and it's not happy. Or they're all sad, mm-hmm. um, but now it's the only place I can go to to write. 
And so, like I said, it's kind of like an addiction to sadness that just brings you down and brings you down and brings you down. And then you're like the love you get from your family and the happiness you get don't mean anything anymore. Mm. And, uh, you know, that, that took me to my lowest points. And for example, I, uh, I uh, was had a lot of suicidal thoughts. I did. I can't say I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's hard to recognize that now that I'm in such a fantastic place, mm-hmm. right? I love my life. Um, but yeah, back then I I had absolutely zero clue of what I was doing or why I needed to go on another day. Yeah. Um, like what was stopping me, or what was stopping the world if I just left. Right. And, uh, yeah, so like I said in my senior statement, I was in my garage, and I was, it was about 3 a.m., and I was kind of just staring at our tool bench, and, uh, you know, I uh, had, a, had a knife in hand, and I was ready to do something terrible, um, but the immediate thing that brought me out of, you know, these thoughts um, was my brother, uh, always has been, uh, music is my therapy, but my brother is my, you know, one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking like, he is doing fantastic things in yeah. school. Um, he's going to be a doctor, right? He's declining Harvard medical school because he knows how much he's worth. He lives a fantastic life. My parents are happily married Everything's going great with them. Mm-hmm. So why be the one to take that away? Mm. That was my main thought. And that was my main thought as a sophomore. And that's when I kind of grew up and became colder. Mm. Colder in the sense that, like, here, let's take the, the most meaningless example, like on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. If you just send me a picture of your face, I'm not going to respond. Yeah. Right? Like, it has to be a conversation, right? I have to be interested to even make a conversation work, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not just going to send back a picture of my face. That's not how this works, right? So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I got, you know, into, you know, my my lowest places. And like I said, it wasn't brought on by an outside source. Mm -hmm. And when when you're there, like I said, you you don't, you just don't care. Yeah. And I I didn't feel a reason to. And then... You can't stop listening to this sad music. You, you can't. Mm-hmm. It, and I see that with today's culture constantly. I mean, I don't listen to modern rap, um, you know, or modern pop mm-hmm. or any modern music except for rock. But uh, my friends, you know, love Juice World. Yeah. And I listen to some Juice World, and I think it's the the cheesiest stuff ever. I honestly do. <laughs> But they hear it, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of get a glimpse on what brought me into that place. Mm-hmm. And then they keep listening to it. Yeah. So that's why I think of it as an addiction. Like even like the Lumineers. Mm-hmm. They have maybe five happy songs in their catalog. It's so funny. And then They're their hits are, bands. yeah. <laughs> and then their hits are sad. Yeah. Right? Like Stubborn Love. It's just they're not happy mm-hmm. but i love listening to them yeah and it's it's really interesting to me two things one that like i think for you like music is such a big part of your life and i think when i think of people who 
are really into music or whatever, like everyone has a different connection with music, right? Some people, it's just like throw it on in the background of a party, be entertained by it. Other people have this really deep emotional, like spiritual connection to music. And I think with songs like, you know, like Juice World XXX, like people who sing about or rap about like sadder things for people who, you know, resonate with that stuff, it hits them really hard. And for people who don't, it like, it's almost like a glimpse into a world that they don't experience really, which I think is kind of interesting because I think some people like when they hear someone rapping about like being depressed and being suicidal, all this stuff, if they've been there themselves, they're like, wow, this person sees me, this person relates to what I'm experiencing. But if they haven't, it's kind of like their gate to that world to be like, oh, so this is what it would feel like because you can feel it in the sound, you know? And and I also think it's really interesting how you like just listening to like what you're saying and stuff, you re- you like emphasize how like good of an upbringing you had, you know, like oh, your yeah. family, your Amazing. childhood, your parents, all that stuff. But it's like, I wonder if that ever makes you feel kind of guilty or anything because yeah. it seems like, you know, I feel like you're almost like discrediting your own like pain and hardships and stuff because you're like, well, I had a really good childhood, but I was also feeling really bad and really low and like trying to reconcile like the two together. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it happens. I just, to my personal belief, Mm -hmm. and this could be contrary to your listeners, but it's that taking your own life is the most selfish thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Because everyone else who cares about you, you don't feel any more pain. Yeah. I think I go back and forth on this one. I mean, I think it's it's hard because I, I get that perspective and stuff. And I I think that's how I would feel if someone I cared about took their own life. But at the same time, like from my experience of being in that place it didn't feel selfish because it was like no it doesn't when you're there yeah and it's and it's the thing where you're like i am so absolutely like at my wits end miserable and in pain and suffering that of course you want to alleviate your pain of course you do and i also was at that place where i was like i i feel like i'm a burden to the people around me i feel like i'd be doing them a favor like it doesn't feel like i'd be taking something away yeah it felt like I would make life easier. It would be easier if I were gone, you know? So it's like, that's why I always get, I always think it's good to have the discussion though around suicide and around it, like being selfish, whether it is, isn't whatever people think of it. Because I do think that some people, some people say that without like understanding what it's like to actually be there, you know, but you've been there and that's your outside, that's your perspective too, which is fine. And you're entitled to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think it, yeah, yeah, because, like I said, like, I keep mentioning how great of an upbringing I mm-hmm. have, and I, whenever I talk about, you know, uh, my lows, I have to bring that up, and I only have to bring that up because when I look into my past, if I look really hard for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. I can't think of any hardships I've been through, seriously, like, I've never been sick, Yeah, I've never, you know, felt such a source of outside pain that I didn't want to continue on, right, I've just... I guess I does it feel like less valid to you because it was like internal like it was like you no because I remember it vividly yeah I remember how bad I felt right and that's we'll we'll probably get into this but that's how my music started Mm -hmm. right 
But no, no, I can't say it feels invalid. Yeah. I can just say it's, I'm glad I never did it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I can say. Yeah. Because it's temporary. Mm. It is. It's so temporary. There's, you can turn things around so quickly. Mm-hmm. Even if things are going your way and you're in that state, there's a day. It could be a switch or it could be a slow progression, but you will feel a change. Yeah. And that day is amazing. Mm-hmm. And that was that night in the garage for me. I woke up the next morning in the garage. Or the same morning. It was 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. I woke up the same morning. Just walked back to my bedroom and fell asleep. But, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was, that's, the, that's the day. It makes yeah. you feel so much better. Yeah. And, I mean, even thinking about it, right, that day is just heartwarming to me in itself. But I guess, yeah, I, the things I've had to overcome are, are in few. Mm-hmm. I mean, one day, oh, junior, junior high school, it was raining. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> I walked outside because I live about 10 feet away from the high school. Yeah. And I was walking to my AP English course um, when a, you know, my neighbor, who's a Chinese lady, came out onto the street uh, mm-hmm. sobbing, just and screaming and I was kind of confused because she didn't speak English very well mm-hmm. and I was very like you know confused like what I don't know what to do in that situation yeah that's like alarming yeah and she just ran up to me and pulled me inside her house and I was kind of just like kind of distraught kind of trying to figure everything out mm-hmm. and I see her husband not moving on the bed and I uh, I knew he had a heart attack and he was still breathing at the time, but uh, I was kind of just in shock. Yeah. And she was, you know, holding on to me, crying, asking if I could do CPR, and I could. Um, but I was just kind of, kind of froze up. And then as soon as I realized what was happening, and you know, the scenario, I was on the bed, getting him off, getting him on the ground, so we could get going with whatever this was. She called nine one one. A construction worker who was working on the, you know, the school mm-hmm. came over as well. And we were just trying to, you know, keep them, you know, in some sort of consciousness for when the paramedics arrived. He died in my arms. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, about about 10 minutes later. And uh, paramedics got there. And I was still super confused, super frozen on what was going on. And she just talked to me and she said, she was like, okay, uh, what happened? Because we, they weren't there, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't there. I can't say they weren't there in time, because you know the whole situation was messed up. But mm-hmm. what happened? Um, how can we help you? They asked me that because I was a high a teenager going yeah. to high school. And I was like, no, just no. And I was just frozen. I was just in shock. And I walked back outside, and school had already started. And I kind of just stood on the on the sidewalk in the rain, just bawling, just sobbing, and. Uh, my dad, who was just happened to be walking outside, saw the paramedics arrive at the house and saw me standing on the sidewalk. And he kind of just walked towards me at first. And at that point, I just broke down. I was on my knees on the sidewalk because I, no, I had no clue what just happened. Yeah. And my dad just comes up to me and is like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Why are there three you know, paramedics here? Why are there cops here? And I said, well, I think, a, you know, I think a man just you know, died in 
in my arms, right? I think he just had a he had a heart attack, and I couldn't save him. And that was huge to me that I couldn't save him. And so for about a month after that, I was kind of looking at myself like I always thought of myself as a as a protector, as you know, if I have a friend or a girlfriend, and I really care about them, I will do everything. Mm-hmm. And that I can to protect them, but that was, I guess, uh, cold water to the face where I couldn't. Yeah. And I didn't realize that, so I was, you know, I was kind of down. Yeah, I mean that like turns your world upside down. Yeah, I was kind of just you know staring there, looking at my hands, like, like I'm not this all powerful being that can save people, you know. Mm-hmm. That I I could freeze up, I could try my best, but it's not always going to work out in my favor. Yeah. So that was a big shock. I mean, that's like insanely traumatic. Like I cannot imagine like being in that situation, feeling like, you know, the panic and like the pressure of like I'm trying to quickly figure out what's going on and do whatever I can to help, and then him dying, which is of you know nothing you could have done differently but still feeling that weight and still feeling like you know it kind of shatters your your idea like you said shatters that idea of like i i can protect people or i can do this because sometimes the world is just cruel and sometimes you know you do your best but you can't do things and that's really that's like an awful realization to have but i think what helped you know what helped get me through that Mm -hmm. that day was um my my parents because you know when you when that happens i don't know if that happens to many people or you know a situation like that yeah um if you didn't have someone to go to you'd be in it for a lot longer you'd feel down for a lot longer but i had two parents who i can't say they knew what to do but they knew that i just needed love yeah right uh, and then they gave it to me, so they got me through that. And now it's, I only remember it from time to time, like when I'm, you know, interviewing <laughs> or uh, talking with someone about, you know, deep stuff. Yeah. I only, yeah, I remember it very few times. The the rest of the time, I just go about my life. I don't think about the day that, you know, that happened, which is a blessing, because I feel like to a lot of people that that could stay. Yeah. And haunt them. And I'm glad for me, for me, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Do you like, I, yeah, I can't even fathom experiencing that. And, you know, obviously like your parents have been like a really amazing, like support system for you. But do you like when you're in those low places too, you know, not just this instant specifically necessarily, but like, do you talk with your friends about it? Is it something that you share openly with other people or do you just kind of shut down? Yeah, I mean, there's one guy, one of my one of my best friends, mm-hmm. who I've known since preschool, who I can who I can tell these things, and it's not so much that he'll speak on them, but he'll just say okay, like and just listen. Yeah, and that's just as good to have to me when you can just chill with one of your best friends and just this is what happened yesterday, no clue how to deal with it. Or where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's weighing on me pretty hard. Yeah. And they'll just listen. 
they don't have to give commentary, right? Because I can speak for hours. <laughs> but it's 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 fantastic, you know, having someone that cares about you enough to uh, to help you through things. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like isolation, kind of being a big big thing for you, do you isolate like only when you're feeling down, or is it just kind of a common like trait? for you and just a common kind of thing to do even just as life is happening yeah um i would say it's always when i'm feeling down but you know some of the time it's you know when everything's going great Mm. and that's just that's just the person who i am really uh because i would much rather be playing guitar in my room for nobody Mm -hmm. than at a party where you know everything's going on and I may, it sounds weird to my friends a lot of the time when I say that, but uh, to me, it just sounds like heaven. Because, like, as you know, as I've said multiple times already in this podcast, I love music. So I could sit on my bed and play guitar for hours and hours and hours and get as much excitement out of it as anything else. Mm-hmm. So when did you decide to start your band and how did that, like, come about? Because, yeah. I mean, I like I, that is so cool to me and, like, such a ballsy thing to do. Like, it's, you know, you're putting yourself out there. So how did that how did that even happen? So, yeah, I was not a great guitarist by any means in high school. But I knew of one great drummer uh, who is, you know, now the drummer of our band. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hit him up one day because he was in a different band at the time. I hit him up and I said, hey, dude. Is it cool if I come, like, do you need a singer? Can I come, like, jam with you guys or something like that? And this was, I think, junior, when I was a junior. And uh, we jammed, yeah. Jammed. Um, <laughs> but I was horrible. Like, I could play, like, all, you know, all the basic chords. But his guitarist was much, much better than me. So I just sat there, and they knew I could sing. I've always been a, a decent singer. Um, not to toot my own horn. <laughs> You're fine. It's true. You can say truth. <laughs> But when it, when it came down to it, uh, the drummer was not playing the music he wanted to play, mm. uh, as far as I know. Because uh, about you know a month, month or two later, uh, we texted each other that's the same night, the exact same time, which was super weird, over, over Snapchat. And he said, hey man, you ever heard of a band called Cleopatric? And I said, no, but do you want to start a band? And he was like, Sure, dude. Sure, let's start a band. And we started it off super geeky, you know, like we'd go over to each other's houses and be like, dude, so I was thinking about this song. Like, like how could we write a song like this song? And I was a horrible guitarist. I was horrendous, right? <laughs> so you're like listening to all your favorite, your tunes, and, and he's like, oh, I can drum that. And he's an insane drummer. Mm-hmm. When, I sh- when I say he's an, a good drummer, he's not like a drummer. You'd be like, oh, he's pretty good. No, he's, mm-hmm. he's nuts. You can ask him to play any pop song, any rap song, any rock song, and it'll go off, and it's crazy to me. So we sat down, we started writing some, some ditties, and... Uh, what they, is that? A ditty. What on earth is a ditty? I've never heard that word in my life. It's uh, a little, like a, like a tune, like a song. All right, and, good to uh, know. Add that to my vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was like surf rock, kind of more rocky and more alternative. Like think like the strokes, but way worse. <laughs> and we started playing, and we started like vibing. We were like, dude, this is, you know, we could put a song out at some point and he was like you know how much money that costs and I was like yeah I know how much money that costs 
and then we kept we kept writing together, we kept writing together, and you know I'd shown my parents, and my parents were like, we knew you were good with music, we didn't know you were this good with music, mm-hmm. right? When they were horrible at demos, they were awful, right? They love you. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> trying oh. to hype you up. Yeah. And I was like, thank you, thank you. Oh my god, I can't wait to go back and and do more, right? But but thankfully I did, and thankfully you know he kept having me over. So we got into this this repetition of you know writing and writing and writing and just playing, and suddenly our genre changed from you know happy kind of alternative stuff to dark like rock, mm-hmm. kind of like hard rock, and uh, that's where I felt most at home. That's where I could be as poetic as possible with my with my lyrics, and that's where we wrote our best music. So when we wrote Human Race. Which is, you know, I think it's four hundred thousand streams on Spotify, but insane. No, but that's, that's so cool to me because we thought when we when we wrote that, right? When we were just jamming together, we were like, "This is a, we could get like a hundred, two hundred streams," and I was like, "I know, dude, I know." Insane. So like looking at it, it's like, it's so awesome. Yeah, it's so like mind blowing. Awesome. And he's eighteen. Yeah. Right. I'm nineteen, so I mean, just think about like, that's. To me, that's that's just crazy that we that we had this thought that you know we we know we can play an instrument decent. I know I can sing, okay, um, but we put it all together and we focus. We put some time to it, and it's and you know people loved it. Yeah, you know, a, cer- a certain certain group loved it. Um, <laughs> I mean, four hundred thousand. I feel like that's plenty to love it. <laughs> yeah, and so we got more into it, and we were like, you know, let's form a band. So we started listening to you know highly suspect. Just these modern rock groups, Cleopatra, you know, none of, none of your you know, fans, I don't think, would, would know. But they <laughs> it's are. It's all good. Uh, maybe they'll listen now. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they will. You can say the a, name of your band, too, if you're down. Like, if you want people to know. Oh, but it's yeah. up to you if you I want think to promote. People, yeah, I think people <laughs> might know me already <laughs> by, by what, I've, what I've said. But, yeah, I mean, I'll promote later. Go um, for it. <laughs> but, yeah, Highly Suspect. And just these words that these guys would say and the music they would put to them. Uh, like I said, you're at a low and then you get addicted to that low. Yeah. And you stay there. And that is the only place you can write your lyrics that means something to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I can go write a country song, honestly. I'm not saying I don't like a lot of country. I love a lot of bluegrass. But I could go write a, a pop country song yeah. in about five minutes. I could, anyone could. Right? And then put the lyrics that they put to it. Do it. And and it, if I wrote those songs, it would not be genuine. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be honest. So that's why I write when I'm at my low points. When I'm thinking about someone or, you know, thinking about someone and my feelings towards them, and I can write it down, you know, then I can go back and edit it for all the, mm-hmm. you know, the grammar and the errors. And I bring it to my drummer, and uh, he just kills it. And we, we know what to do from there. We know what sound to put to it. Uh, there's much more emotion in the singing because it's things you actually care about. Yeah. Yeah, so needless to say, we're not doing terrible. Not for, by any means. Yeah. Is there like a particular song or, I don't know, a person that you've written a song about or some kind of experience that like has a story to it or like really, you know, someone yeah. broke your heart, some, you know, like the, yeah, that kind of thing? I can't say, I can't say, you know, I've written a song about anyone specifically, any one individual. But I have written, I think, three songs, three of the songs we've put out or we are putting out mm-hmm. about one singular person or forum. 
And, uh, yeah, they kind of became my muse for a little. Uh, and I, I still think they're a fantastic friend to have. They're quite sweet. They're quite kind. Uh, we share some of the same music taste, which is hard to come by. Right? So all those, all those little things. But, yeah, uh, when, like I, when I wasn't with them or when we were talking or, you know, hanging out, and then you couldn't anymore, at that point is the point you start writing mm. where you all your emotion comes out and you're like, these are the things I need to get out. These are the things I need to put to music so I can clear my mind, so I can mm. ease the tension I've had since, you know, we stopped talking. Right? So, yeah, there's definitely one person, uh, but we have an EP coming out, right? And I think the second song off of it is called 12 a.m. Mm. And it's about her curfew because that's the time I had to stop seeing her, right? And so, you know, I think that's a little, it's kind of a fun play of a title. Love it. But yeah, all the lyrics in that are, are meaningful to me. I think that's the most meaningful song I've written mm-hmm. to this point. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good EP. And hopefully the people, you know, like it too. I'm sure. Yeah. How did like the, because obviously you went away to school. Yeah. And he was still here in high school. So how did that kind of work for you guys musically and then you know after that how to just transitioning to college go for you yeah so we spend a lot of money <laughs> on recording gear uh-huh. and gear in itself like i have two three thousand dollar amps Damn. and two three thousand dollar guitars just because i like them mm-hmm. not because i deserve them but because i like them and uh it sounds you know super preppy but uh yeah so when we had that equipment and he's a genius when it comes to everything technical with music so he mixes all our stuff in post-production he does all that I'm, i just do the songwriting in this yeah thing. and you know we recorded our last two singles in quarantine right without seeing each other right at all so that was terrible 22s and vaccine and there are two best songs according to streams right which is great you know, it sucks not seeing him. It sucks yeah. not having that chemistry. And it sucks we're in quarantine right now because we can't go out and play. But when the EP comes out and hopefully this whole thing, you know, blows over, I don't know when it when it will. Right. But as soon as possible, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go out and play. And we already, you know, have some things set up. You know, we're already talking to venues for a tour. That's insane. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Or, yeah, I, I am. And then, so from college, I mean, I'm moving into an apartment, like I said, the 8th at Chico. And I'm just going to set everything up in my room, you know, all the gear we have, which is going to be a super crowded room. And I have recording gear in a bed, probably. Is it just you or do you have a roommate or something? It's me, uh, another guy from LG, okay. and then a friend from SAC. But which yeah. is Sacramento. Yeah, for those S- who sorry, don't know. Sacramento. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so I just record, I'm just going to record out of my room like I have been doing yeah. here, because now he's, him and his family have moved to Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, yeah, so it's it's still the same as, you know, him living in those guys and not being able to see him, so I'm cool with it, just as long as he's ready to tour when we're out of it. Then that I'm, is so yeah, cool. Then I'm hyped. That's a good time. So do you think that this is something that you want to make a career out of and that you want to, you know like fully embrace as your kind of life path yeah i mean so i'm i'm uh majoring in robotics engineering so 
just slightly different slightly different yeah it's it's just a little but i already um i kind of have it as a career right now at the moment because you know what we make off our off the band and royalties and streaming Mm -hmm. um you know is is few it's not not the most you know not as much as i'd hope obviously but uh i'm a ghostwriter for a lot of artists oh wow yeah and so that's where i make most of you know uh my income from and that's why i call it a job because I'm writing a bunch of songs a day, usually, just to send them out, see what people like, get a feel for what they like, come back, edit them, send them a demo of what, I, what I'm doing, and then, you know, get paid for it if they want it, right? And a lot of them don't go into production whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. But you still get paid for the ideas, which is a great, great time. Yeah. When they just, you know, it's, it's like an author writing a book. They probably have so many ideas just to put out, and I can just, you know, write a few chord song, mm-hmm. put some lyrics to it, and send it. So that's always amazing, you know. I can't, so cool. <laughs> I can't complain about how I do off that, and yeah, yeah. So that's you know. If you like, you know, looking down the line, do you see yourself working a nine to five? Do you see yourself doing robotics engineering, or like, do you see yourself playing playing gigs? I want to see myself playing a concert because mm-hmm. I'll be touring at nineteen. Yeah, which is crazy. So hopefully, uh, you know, it doesn't slow down mm. and we only gain traction. And uh, But yeah, I don't want to work a nine-to-five whatsoever. I do want to get my degree in, mm-hmm. in engineering because I'm not known to sit behind desks, nor am I known for my grades. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like I'm a decent leader. And when it comes to that, I can uh, lead a bunch of people who do like to sit behind desks. Yeah. And as long as I have the major and the degree... Uh, I guess I'm ready for it. Yeah, that's very uh, true. Yeah, you just need a little experiences, and then you're and then you're there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I would love to be an engineer. I'm loving it right now. Um, the program, the teachers are fantastic. So cool. Yeah. I could never do that. <laughs> I could yeah. never see myself that. But it's cool when other people have you know something that they're interested in and something that they actually enjoy doing. Because I would not enjoy that. But that's the thing. Everyone's different. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely passionate about it. Yeah. Um, in the sense that you have to work 12-hour days sometimes mm-hmm. and then go to sleep for four and then realize you messed up on something, so go back to the computer and rework it. But you know, you learn so much. You learn time management. So for everyone who is not in college yeah. listening to the podcast, when you go to college, no Literally matter what major, soon. Yeah, <laughs> no matter what major, you have to learn time management if yeah. you're serious about the schooling. If you if you already have it down, great. I did not. Um, Me either. Right. So go there and just, you could be the smartest person in the world, but then time management will get, you could ace all your courses, but then get no sleep or not eat. And then we have a super unhealthy lifestyle, which drags you down. Then your grades will start failing. Right. Right. So college is a a nice taste of the real world. Did you learn that the hard way or did you like, no, I learned it the hard way. Realized. Okay. I learned it the hard way. (laughs) I, I was like, I got to college. I was like, you know what? Maybe I wasn't such a genius in high school. But I can I can do I can do this engineering thing. Mm. I got in, took twenty two credits, and I just got wrecked. Twenty two credits is uh, so much. Yeah, I got absolutely destroyed. The and average is like what fourteen something like that. Yeah, fourteen like, credits. 15, 14, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and I just kind of sat in my room all day, and then went to work out, and then slept for four hours, and then started the routine again. Oh my god! Second semester was much better. I think I got like a I got a 4.0. Let's go. Yeah, which is which is awesome because you know, first semester I did not. 
Did you make friends though? Like how yes. was that? Like I can't yeah. even, so, so it's, much it's happening not, at the same it's, time. Yeah, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's so weird because the people you think you're not going to be friends with usually become your friends. Yeah. Like I had, there's these guys down the hall and there's a guy I'm, I'm living with now. Um, just down the hall, you know, I'd walk past him, say hi. I forgot his name for like a good month, right? So it was weird. He was like, hey. And I was like, hey, dude, what's good? <laughs> and so we'd walk past each other, you know, ride the elevator sometimes awkwardly. But then, you know, some like Saturdays and Fridays, we'd, I'd go out, you know, with, with my roommate. And we'd kind of just knock on people's doors, be like, hey, what's up in the beginning of college? And so I knocked on his door and he was like, what's up? Um, and I was like, Hey dude, uh, what do you like? What do you do for fun? Like, what do you, he's like, Oh, I'm a civil engineer. I, uh, you know, I, uh, love video games, you know, got these big old biceps. He's a small <laughs> guy, but he's got big biceps. And, um, yeah. So, and these are, these are his roommates. And then I lived there the whole first semester, basically. Man. Like I spent all my time, all my free time in their dorm room just hanging out with these great guys that I never thought, you know, I thought I was going to hang out with people. There's no, there's no groups in college. Yeah. Thank there's, God. There is none whatsoever. I'm over that shit. Yeah. So I tend to hang out with the most nerdy people <laughs> and I love it because to them, me catching a football is insane. Like, how could you do that? Right. And then you're like, yeah, I can catch a football. Right. And then they're just staring at you like, oh, yeah, well, I can code. And you're like, oh, yeah, shut up. Yeah. But those, be there. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are the guys I hang out with and they are lovely. They it is mm-hmm. a, always a great time. I cannot complain. I've never gotten in a fight with them because they're so I didn't realize that I'd see so much of myself in them. Yeah. Until we started actually hanging out. I mean, you light up talking about them, too. Oh, yeah. Like, just, it's, it's no. so clear that it's, like, genuine friendship and yeah. excitement to be no, around they them. they are fantastic people. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't really trade it for the world, right? Because if I, if I had met someone else, th- there'd be them, right? And I mm-hmm. wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known them. Which is, you know, a sad thought, but I didn't go that way. So right. I'm, I'm quite happy to, to be where I am. How's, like, the party scene for you, all that fun stuff and, like, you know, the hookups, the drinking, the drugs, the all that shit. Yeah, I've never uh, been one to do drugs mm-hmm. in any sense. That's not, I mean, that's how I was brought up. Yeah. Um, but I'm libertarian in view, so I could care less. Right. What drugs you're doing, right? I just, I'm just not going to do it. Right? Yeah. I shouldn't. I have seen you shit face, though, but not, dr- yes. <laughs> not drugs. <laughs> yes. yes, you have. Um, yeah, no, I drink. Yeah. Uh, uh, as, as a lot of people do in college and in high school, I did too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. What's funny though is that you are, when I think of you drunk, like you're one of the only people who is like the insanely nice drunk. Like you know how people are like, there's the angry drunk, yeah. there's the like just dumb as shit drunk. You're like the sweetheart drunk. Like I remember not that long ago, like maybe February or something, like before quarantine happened. And I remember it, we were at someone's house and you were shit-faced, and you were sitting against the wall on the ground. <laughs> and you were just like, Casey, have I ever told you just how amazing you are? And just what a great person you are. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so sweet. And you're just everyone. You're like, you are such a good person, and your heart is amazing. Like, I'm just like, who's like that? Yeah. Just you. Like, you yeah. just are very 
sweet drunk, which what? is a pleasant surprise for most people. Yeah, I've been... You're not the first person to tell me this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm quite a loving drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, a very loving drunk. If I don't... Like, if we don't generally like each other or talk to each other ever, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm pissed at you a lot of the time, right? Because I just don't think you're a great person. I'll be like, yo, dude. Oh, God, dude. You're so... You're great. Dude. Wait, why is that exactly the voice that you do, too? Because that's just, I, that's just how I get. Um, Your voice, like, goes up in pitch, yeah. you know? No, my voice... <laughs> That's the thing. My brother, my family tell me this all the time. Mm-hmm. When I'm relaxed or, you know, when I'm calm, my voice is this. This is yeah. my voice. Uh, but when I am intoxicated or, you know, I just got off a run or something or I'm doing something super active yeah. or I'm actively doing something, I uh, my voice goes like, hey, dude, what's good? How yeah. are you, man? Right? And so that's, I mean, that's how I am. But, yeah, the, the party scene at, at Chico, it's known for, yeah. you know, it's partying. So, yeah, every chance, you know, I got where I knew I didn't have homework to do the next morning, I was partying. Yeah. Right? I was having as best of a time as I could because it's college. Mm-hmm. You got four years. Take yourself seriously, but you got four years to have fun. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, with, with the guys I said in the dorm room, you're not allowed to drink in the dorms, obviously, and we're underage. But we would, like, just play these drinking games. We'd get just we'd get gone we'd get wasted mm-hmm. and we would like watch make of these stupid games like these dumb games like so nicholas cage is an actor right and he's known for you know overselling everything right like if there's a water bottle on the counter and there is right here he'd be like oh there's a water bottle on the counter oh my god <laughs> right and he'd like freak out about it so we had this game that we'd take a shot every time he acted Right, mm. so like every time he overacted, that's when we drink, and we were gone by the end. Wow, of the night. yeah, it's a it's a weird game, a horribly weird game, but an interesting one. Yeah, oh yeah, and just watch any Nicolas Cage film, and you'll yeah. and you'll see it, and you'll be like, oh, National Treasure. Yeah, that's probably a good one, huh? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, but that, I mean, that was that's that, those are the kind of times we had, and then of course we went to parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to my best friend from high school's apartment all the time. Um, the hookups. You're smirking. What do you have to say? <laughs> the, you know, I, I'm a romantic, mm-hmm. generally. Uh, so everything I do, like if I like someone, I'll be extremely overbearing a lot of the time. You know, not like, um, not overprotective, but overbearing, mm-hmm. like in the sense like, oh, it's your birthday. This is what I got you. And I'll just yeah. go full out. Yeah, you're not going to be shy about yeah. it. And so... I, uh, I'm not huge into just one night stands or, or hookups like that. So, I mean, there was a girl in college who I was quite fond of and, uh, you know, we did hook up a lot mm-hmm. and I kind of just saw it as we were a thing and, uh, she didn't. And, you know, she saw it as more than that or less than that? More than that. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was college. It was a new experience for both of us. Right. And I was a romantic, but I wasn't looking for anything freshman year. Now, I love her as a person. Her personality's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wanted a little more than what I did. And, you know, at that point, and I'm super confrontational, and I'm always open about, you know, how I feel. So I said to her, I said, hey, like, it seems to me like you like me a lot more than I like you mm. which is always it's been said to me before and it hurts um and so she's you know we started talking 
and she started crying. And at that point, you don't want to make anyone cry, no matter what the situation is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it just hurt, you know. Um, but yeah, and I, cause I saw it as every, especially walking into college, every girl and every dude, every Friday and Saturday just mm-hmm. want to hook up. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't recognize that. And so that was kind of a harsh reality. Um, but then just hooking up in general, I kind of, I was, I was doing it for like the first semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the late first semester, I kind of just eased off because I was like, I don't see the point in it. Like yeah. it's, it's fun for you know, however long it lasts. But then you wake up the next day and it's just one more person you can't really talk to. Mm. So that's kind of where hookups, hookups went. And then yeah. drugs. Uh, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I don't do them, but at a lot of parties we went to, uh, yeah, there was a loads. They were present. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you're not into it, don't get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my friends, a lot of my friends did them. They did candy, which is uh, acid mixed with ecstasy. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of it was crazy. Uh, cocaine, all the drugs are present. Yeah. All the party drugs that you can think of, they are present. I honestly feel like too, like our, I feel like our year of high school probably used more drugs oh, than yeah. other years too, and especially like other high schools. Like, I not to scare a lot of like LGHS yeah. parents here, but like, I feel like drugs are pretty prevalent at our school. Oh, dramatically. Oh, and yeah. And like, I feel like some people don't realize that. Like, even like Coke. Like, I feel like people don't think Coke is that. But like, I there were people doing Coke at almost yeah. every party I ever went to. Oh yeah. Like it's. Yeah. yeah. I like that to me is like kind of still crazy to wrap my head around. And then it's like, you know, the dabblers who are trying shrooms and acid yeah. and ketamine. And, and I, yeah, those are all my friends too. Like a lot of yeah. them are my friends. And I grew up, you know, um, thinking all drugs are terrible. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I mean, and I don't blame my parents for raising me that way. Cause it, you know, keeps you protected for a little while Yeah. until you start forming your own opinion, forming your own thought. Right. And then you look at it, and that's, like, I was, you know, conservative. And I'm still, you know, I'm right-leaning, but I'm a right-leaning libertarian. Mm-hmm. So people's freedoms, I don't think they should be touched. I really yeah. don't. But seeing all my friends, you know, doing these just party drugs, you, you look at them like, one of my thoughts is, well, are you just experimenting, or is it a constant and then why is it a mm. constant? Yeah, like are you trying to fight yeah, something exactly. or bury something? Exactly. And I found that a couple people were, because mm-hmm. uh, I've asked that question. Because I'm, I try to be, try to be honest. If, I, especially if I'm inquiring about something, I said to my friend, I said, "Are you trying to fight something off?" Because mm-hmm. every time we go to a party, even if it's a kickback, you, you wind up doing these things that can be quite detrimental to you know your health. Yeah. And he was just started crying like this dude that I've never seen cry mm-hmm. and not we're not even best friends. He's just a, you know, we're just we talk mm-hmm. and we're, we're good, good buddies. And so he starts crying and I'm like, dude, what? Like, what? What is it? Mm-hmm. And he talks about his parents getting a divorce. Right. And I know that happens all the time, you know, like 50 percent. Right. I think mm-hmm. that's a st- statistic. But he was so sad yeah and just trying to find some happiness and i totally understand falling into that that pitfall Mm -hmm. it's i i would say it's you know especially in lg it's hard look at us it's hard not to yeah 
because you know there is a massive drug scene like uh, like you said at every party you went to someone was probably doing coke Mm -hmm. right or you saw someone doing coke and i can't say anything different right chico it's i'm sure it's 10 times it's amplified yeah um but yeah, you can't you can't hate these people because you don't know what they're going through. You know they you know they've made this decision to do you know to change themselves or mm-hmm. to change you know the way their brain works for you know a little a little period of time, and then you can wonder why. But outside of them, outside of them tripping, outside of them being high, if you love them as a person, a guy or a girl, right, you can't mistake them for doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends do it. Right, so you look at it and you're like, "I'm friends with you for a reason," and you're not always high. Mm-hmm. So I'm friends with you when you're generally sober. That's that's who I met. That's right. who I that's knew. That's the person I know. Right? Yeah. So you can't really, you know, push any push anyone away from that. And I grew up uh, with my brother's friend, who was kind of like the kingpin of it all. Mm. Yeah, and so he is still very much my brother. Right, my brother's friend. Love him to death. Yeah. He's a fantastic guy. One of the best guys I've ever met. A genius. He's like my brother. Um, but yeah, he he did these things. And sometimes I question him. But I couldn't question the person he was when he was you know speaking to me. And that's that's who I've always known. So I can never look down on someone who does you know drugs. Right. I just don't do them. Totally. And I think that's like the important distinction is it's like, you just because you choose not to do something yourself or whatever doesn't mean that you have to judge or think that you're better than people who do choose to do something like that because i feel like that's where people get really fucked is it's like you like don't 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 think think you're better better. yeah you're not like first of all yeah you never know what someone else is going through and second of all yeah let everyone gets to decide what they want to do and what they're up for and what they're not and like let people make those decisions without you thinking that you're on some pedestal yeah you know yeah, don't think you're yeah, don't think you're above anyone in any yeah. in any sense. Even yeah. if someone's a total asshole to you or you're an asshole to someone and that's just been your relationship. If you think you're higher or, you know, yeah. put on a pedestal over someone or looking down on someone, there are times where I have been mistaken. Mhm. Right? So, and I'm sure it's happened to it's it happens it's it's common. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a little little word of wisdom yeah. there. <laughs> All right. Well, so normally I, my favorite like kind of ending question to ask is, um, you know, if you could look back and give a piece of advice or some kind of, you know, another word of wisdom to like younger you, what do you think you would say? Uh, honestly, and this is going to sound kind of cocky, Don't but, worry I, about I, it. <laughs> but I'd say keep doing what you're doing, man, mm-hmm. and stay true to yourself because the person you are right now is the person you're going to be when you're 19 mm-hmm. and majoring in robotics engineering, which you never thought possible. And you're going to be in a studio releasing music, which you never thought possible or you never even thought of. You're going to do great things from what I know right now. So I'm glad you never changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. It was a wonderful time. Mm-hmm.